Good morning. There it is. Good to see you this morning. Thanks for joining us for worship. If this is your first time here, we'd like to welcome you, and we have some gift bags in the entryway. If you want to pick one of those up on your way out, it just would give you a little bit more information about our church. And we'd just love it if you'd come back again. We've got some exciting things coming up, and so there's a few things I wanted to draw your attention to. Actually, but before we do that, I wanted to hand out a few prizes. Everybody's heads just went, huh? I'm actually going to listen to that guy. <laughs> what we have is um, a couple of prizes from our bowling night out that we just did on Thursday. And so I uh, wanted to hand out two. One would be uh, first for Noreen Bishop. Is she in here? Okay, we'll let her husband come up and you can get it. Let's, <laughs> yeah, Noreen got uh, the most strikes. And so she gets the... Uh, she gets the award for most strikes. And then we have uh, Herrett Salcedo. He got the um, highest single game score of 155. So that's pretty good. Come on up here. There you go. Good job with that. He's quite the athlete. He played professional soccer in Mexico. And he beats me in racquetball. Like destroys me in racquetball. And then he takes everybody in bowling too. So I guess it's just a natural thing. Well, it's good that you're here. Uh, we do have some announcement in your in your bulletin. You could just follow along if you'd like. We have a uh, ASL seminar. This is the second part of our American Sign Language seminar that we're doing. Um, even if you weren't at the seminar last week, we'd love it if you would come. You'd still get a lot out of it. It's learning basics about the deaf culture so you can learn to, to communicate with the deaf. And so it's tonight. It's at, uh, actually Jared, the guy who came up to uh, take his wife's prize. And uh, you need to give that to her, you know. So it's at their house, and so um, the information is in the bulletin about that. It starts tonight at 4, and then there's a singles luncheon next weekend. Uh, a few weeks from now, two weeks from now, there's Easter, um, and so there is an invitation card for Easter. It looks like this. It looks like the big Walmart happy face guy, and so you'll see this. You probably have this. I hope there's enough in there. We're getting these masks produced, actually, so next week there'll be more. But if you'd like to invite some friends, any guests, friends or family, um, this has a map to our church, and it has some information about what we'll be, what we'll be doing on Easter. And I'll be launching a new message series um, that Sunday, sharing about um, how Christ can really bring fulfillment and happiness in our life. And so we'll be looking that week about the resurrection, obviously, and then we'll be launching into a message on the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus had to say about how we can get true blessing in our life. And so that's where this idea of happiness comes from. And so... Uh, also, there is Life Group. Life Group is a once-a-month um, midweek group experience. And so we have small groups that happen throughout the week. And so this is something that if, you, if you're not a part of a small group and you'd like to just get a taste of what it's like to interact in a small group setting, um, come to Life Group. It's coming up in April. And what, what we'll do is we'll gather here and we'll kind of get something started. I'll, I'll get the topic started, talk about what God has to say about a specific topic. And then we'll break down into small groups. And so you'll be able to jump into a small group and just sit in and get involved in the discussion if you like. Or you could just even just listen. And so that's, that's set up for you if, you if you're just interested in checking out our groups. And I think that's it. So let, let's pray and go to the Lord together. Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for bringing us here, God. With all the, There's a lot going on, I'm sure, in all of our lives today. And so, God, sometimes it's hard to, you know 
set aside a time to come and to hear from you. But God, I'm just grateful that we're all here and that we um, have come to hear what you have to say about our lives. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us. Lord, that we'd hear you above all the noise and above all everything, everything else in our life. Would you just help us to hear from you this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, spring is here, finally. And uh, barbecues, anybody start barbecuing yet? Yeah, a couple people, that's good. Major League Baseball begins soon, right? That's a good thing. There's all sorts of good things that happen in springtime. The sun comes out is one of the exciting things. Um, and it's that nice time of the year. You know, summertime is extremely hot. And you know, almost a lot of people stay indoors. Wintertime is so cold, stay indoors with the heater on. So springtime is really a, just a great time of the year. You can get out, enjoy the sun. I got to sit out on my patio yesterday and just sit there, hear the birds chirp, and look at the sky. It was nice. It's really a nice day. But uh, daylight kind of lasts longer. And I've been, today as we're kind of launching a, uh, just a message about sharing our faith and what that looks like, what that means, a verse, a major verse actually, that really captures a lot for God's people is in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. This is some words that Jesus said to, his, to some people as he gathered them up on a, on a hillside. And he said this, he said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. It, just the picture there, you know, you've got this light. He's saying, you know, you don't want to hide it. If you're the light, you don't want to hide the light. You don't want to put it under something so that nobody else can experience the light. But you want to set it up high to where there's just great exposure for other people. And look at the next verse. In the same way, just like the, the bowl illustration, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. You and I, if you've decided to follow Jesus Christ with your life, you might be in the process of thinking through making that step, taking the decision you know, or choosing to follow Christ. You may not have decided to do that yet, but for those of you who have, you and I may be the only light that people see. You know, there's all sorts of different spiritual roads. There's all sorts of different competing messages in, in our society. But for many of us, we are the light that they, you know, we are the light of the world for people. People interact with us and they see something different, hopefully. There's a saying, you're the only Bible that people will ever read. I don't know if you've ever heard that. You know, a lot of people aren't going to pick up the Bible. I need to get my Bible, by the way. But, um,. You know, a lot of people are going to have a hard time going and picking up the Bible, and so they're going to look at your life, if you claim to follow Christ, and they're going to, they're going to read your life. And they're going to ask some questions about your life and see what it, if it really lines up with the things that they, they think you know, God is really about. So they, as they see our lives, hopefully what people experience, they get a picture of what Jesus Christ is like. And we're, we're two weeks away from Easter, and I'm doing these messages this week and next week about just what it means to share our story, to share our faith with other people. Because traditionally, Easter is a time when people who don't ordinarily go to church might be willing to attend church. And so I wanted to do some messages on this just to prepare for that. We're going to look at a story found in Luke chapter 5. And so you can follow along. This is a story about a man named Matthew. And it's, it's a story where Jesus 
basically met Matthew or called Matthew to follow him. And we're going to see how Matthew responds to this. And so if you'd like, you can follow along. There's a listening guide in your bulletin. Let's read this together. It's found in Luke chapter 5, verses 27. It says this. It says, After this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. <clears throat> tax collectors basically were usually very, very wealthy, well-off, People. They had a lot of money, tax collectors. What would happen is people would bid for this tax office to Rome. Rome was the government that was in charge of the Jewish nation, and so they were they would, you know, basically open up the tax office so that people could bid to to get that position, to get the status of tax collector for a certain region. And so there would be competing bids that would come into the Roman government. And what they would do is they would just take the highest bidder, okay? And then that tax collector would guarantee a certain amount to go to Rome for taxes. And then anything above that amount, the tax collector could keep for himself. And so it was a very lucrative position because they could just tax people on all sorts of things. And they could keep anything in excess for what, you know, other than what they have to pay the government. And so oftentimes these tax collectors, they would, set their, they would set up their shops in seaports or city gates, and it would kind of serve like a customs. If you've ever traveled out of country and come back in, you've got to pass through customs, right? Well, in the same way, the tax collectors would set up shop where they knew people had to travel through, and then they would put a tax on people. So as you can imagine, people really hated the tax collectors. There was just this, uh, they were disreputable people. Because also they would oftentimes overtax people. And so, you know, they would, people would show up and they would open up their bags. Nobody likes going through, nobody likes it when people go through our bags, right? Well, this is one of the reasons they were hated, because they would go through people's bags and they'd tax people for it. Another thing is, they were working for the Romans. These were Jewish uh, men oftentimes who would go and work for the government that, that, that was... You know, that, that was oppressing and holding down the Jewish nation. And so their own people didn't like them very much. And so Jesus, he walks up, it says, and he sees this Jewish tax collector named Levi. Later he's known as Matthew. But he was despised for, by his own people for his job. And Jesus says this. He just says, follow me. Jesus said to him, and Levi, it says, got up, he left everything, and he followed him really interesting. Then it says, verse 29, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others, basically his kind of people, Levi's kind of people, all his buddies, all his friends, other tax collectors, and other disreputable people were there eating with them. So it's an interesting situation. Okay, You've got this, Jesus, God himself comes, he calls Matthew, and then He's, he's able to go over to Matthew's house. Jesus, uh, you know, we're going to look at why this was an unusual situation. Look at verse 30. We'll kind of keep reading. It says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were legalistic religious folk. They were the religious leaders. They were kind of lay leaders and they, they would just um, push themselves up above, their, up 
above other people. They would exalt themselves, and they looked down on lots of people, especially those who were not, you know, walking with God. And so those people said, you know, to, to Jesus' disciples, he says, why, why would Jesus eat with these people? How could he do this? And then it's interesting. Jesus answered them, and it says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. It's interesting. They asked the disciples a question, and then Jesus answered. He spoke up and he said, hey, let me tell you why I do what I do. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And, but it's very interesting. Matthew, let's look at Matthew's life. He was a guy who had lots of wealth. We're going to draw some things out of his approach here because it's very important, I think, for us as we're trying to share our relationship with God with other people. It's important to understand how that worked out in the Bible. Some things about Matthew. He had a lot of wealth. He also had lots and lots of friends. Usually people who are wealthy, they have a lot of surface-level relationships. They have a lot of friends. And they were also wealthy friends. And these, this group of people, they love to party. They love to enjoy their wealth together. But it's interesting. When Matthew was called by the Lord, the Scripture says he just left everything and he followed him. He decided he wanted to go in a totally different direction with his life. And this wasn't the first time that Matthew had met Jesus, or this wasn't the first time that Matthew had heard the name of Jesus, okay? He obviously had had some previous contact with Jesus Christ. He'd heard the stories about him. He probably had heard Jesus teaching at certain points. And so it wasn't just that Jesus walked up and said, follow me. And Matthew just, like a, like a zombie, just starts walking towards Jesus. We kind of get the picture, though, just from the Scripture that it must have just happened. Like, Jesus just walked up, follow me, and people are like, Bink! and they're just off following. And another guy, follow me, Bink! it didn't really happen that way. It was They would have some experience with Jesus. They would listen. They were, and so Matthew, he was, you know, he was gathering information. He was gathering and collecting more information, building his understanding about who Jesus really was. And then there's this day when Jesus steps in and says, Matthew, this is it. Follow me. You know, and Matthew, he had processed. He got up at that point. He said, you know what? I'm going to go in a different direction. He left everything and he followed Jesus Christ. He left some things behind because he was determined to follow Jesus Christ. This is just a very unusual thing to, to go in a different direction with our lives. But that's what Matthew did. There's another tax collector in a different uh, book of the Bible. Luke, actually, same book, later chapter. Luke chapter 19 talks about a tax collector named Zacchaeus. I don't know if you've ever heard about Zacchaeus, but I learned a song as a kid. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. This is a song I sing to my kids sometimes. But, you know, so Zacchaeus, the Scripture says, was short in stature. I can connect with Zacchaeus on that. You know, he was just a tiny guy, and he, he was a tax collector, but he was mistreated because he was, he was short. And so you can bet that when he taxed people, he was pretty cruel with his taxes because it was kind of like payback. Well, you want to mess with me? Okay, I'll tax you more. So he had wronged, the scripture says, he had wronged people. He cheated people many times. It's interesting, though, when he was invited to follow Christ, the same thing happened. There was this radical transformation in Zacchaeus' life. You can read about that on your own in Luke chapter 19. But he just had this shift in his life, went a different direction. But, but Matthew, he's just determined to follow Jesus. He is set to do things differently. He didn't say, 
you know, Jesus, I, I'd really like to follow you, but I've got a few things I need to take care of. He didn't do that. In, in Luke chapter 9, there's a story about three different individuals who said, yeah, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Jesus said, you know, he says, I don't have a place to call my own. I don't have a place to lay my head. The two other people, they had some other things they wanted to do. They had some business they wanted to take care of. But they said, Jesus, I want to follow you, but this. So it was kind of like saying, yes, but. And that's what happens in Luke chapter 9. These different characters say, yeah, I'll follow you, but, but, but. But in Matthew's case here, he just says, yes, Lord. He decides, I want to take my life. And he starts moving in a different direction. And so there's, some, there's a radical shift. And the way we know this is because there's some things that happen in the next verse. Okay? He, he gets up. He leaves his stuff. It's very interesting. He has a banquet for Jesus. Again, this shows something about what's becoming more and more important. His priorities begin to shift. He decided he wanted to follow Christ fully. And this is what it means to really... Um, become a Christian means to follow Christ fully. It's to, to fully devote yourself to the Lord. And this is evidenced in Matthew's life by three things. First thing is this. He had this radical value shift. Okay? He moved from, from getting to giving. This is what you find. He, just, he shifts from getting stuff, from taking stuff, to, to giving. His life had, all, had been all about him. Getting all as much money as he could. And the first thing he does is he lays out this huge spread for Jesus and his closest friends. And this is just an immediate change from this whole idea of what can I get out of people? He moved from that to what am I going to give to people? And this is just like the heart of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the one who said it is more blessed to give than to receive. So Matthew just picks this up and he starts giving. He becomes a giver. Another evidence that he'd follow Christ fully is this. There's this radical respect for Jesus. He holds a banquet. There's a great banquet for Jesus. You know, and what he does is he puts Jesus as the guest of honor. This is a banquet for Jesus, but he invites other tax collectors. Basically, he invites his whole, his whole group of people, his whole community, in a sense. People like him come to this banquet. And he's got all these people there for a specific reason. Matthew invites all of them there because he wants to publicly honor Jesus. He wants to honor the one that he was going to follow. You've probably heard this thought. It's, it goes something like this. I have this personal relationship with God, or I have this personal relationship with Jesus, but I don't want it to be very public. I think religion needs to remain a private matter. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that a lot. Um, you know, my faith is a private matter. It's, it's not something that needs to be public. Well, in Matthew's case, he goes public. He invites all his friends. He brings Jesus to, to dinner, has this big banquet. He goes public with it. He's not ashamed of his decision to follow Jesus Christ. He throws this great, great banquet. It's not a lunch. You know, he didn't, you know, you know give him granola bars and dry biscuits. But he throws this great banquet. That cost him something. Uh, you know, when we do something like that, when we throw, I, I don't know that I've ever thrown a great banquet before. I, th- I feel like I've thrown some really nice dinners, but a great banquet, that's just this really descriptive, you know, feast. But there's evidence. He's following Christ. Well, he has this 
different respect for Jesus. And also, he shows real concern for his friends. Real concern for his friends. When you follow Christ fully, God begins to change the way you look at your friendships. He begins to change the way you relate to people and treat people. Matthew obviously knew a bunch of people, just like us. He had his network of friends. But now, Matthew had a very deep concern for others that he didn't have before. And that's what happens. When you meet Jesus Christ, one of the things that he does is he calls you to follow him. He calls you to get up out of your seat and to do life differently. He wants to have fully devoted followers. But for a lot of times in America, we think that Jesus calls us into his fan club. You know, Jesus wants a fan club. He's trying to build a fan club. And so what we do in America is, you know, we have this idea that, you know, he wants us to email him, you know, shoot him emails. We feel like he wants us to, you know, leave him messages on Facebook, put up posters of Jesus in our room, you know, read books about him and, and just be his fan. But Matthew, you know, he did life very, very differently. It says he gets up and he leaves everything behind, everything that was important to him. He set a priority here. He established his priority. He said, God is going to be first place in my life. I'm going to leave everything else behind. And you know what? That's what it's like. To follow Christ means leaving everything behind. It's putting him first in our lives. And for many of us, there's just this trail littered with stuff along the way because we've slowly been holding on to things and we realize, I, I think I need to let go of that as well. What I'm not saying is, I'm not saying God wants you to become poor and leave everything behind in that sense. What I'm saying is, it's a matter of priority. God wants to be first place in our lives. And Matthew was saying, you're first, you're above everything else. He demonstrated his commitment through using his own resources to introduce people to Jesus Christ. And that's, that's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants us to, to use our resources. And that's what Matthew did. The second thing he did is he used his own money to bring friends to God. And that, that's what it means. To follow Christ oftentimes means using our own resources to help others come to know Jesus Christ. He used money to bring friends to God. This is a great banquet, it says. That would have cost him a, a lot of money. It's not something you could just poof and it, it, you know, imagine it appears. You've got to put your resources into it. And he's doing something that Jesus spoke about in another place. Luke chapter 16. I'm going to tell you just the summary of the story. Jesus tells this story. This is just a story, okay? So it's a parable. It doesn't actually happen. But Jesus, he uses this to drive home a point. And he says, there's this guy. He's a crooked business manager. He's called a shrewd manager in Luke chapter 16. But he's a crooked man. He's a business manager. And what he was doing was he was skimming money off the top. And then he realized that his master had discovered what he was doing. And so he sits down. He looks at all the accounts that, you know, everybody that owed his master something. And he decided, he figured, I'm going to lose my job. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to gather all these accounts and I'm going to give people big discounts on what they owe my master. And so he calls different individuals to him. He says, how much do you owe? Oh, I owe a certain you know, amount of olive oil. Well, 20% off. <laughs> That's great. you know. And then another person owes him some wheat. Well, 20% off. He starts reducing people's expenses. Well, his master finds out what he had done, and he's caught and he's thrown out. But all these people who had been reduced of their debt were now indebted to this crooked 
business manager. They were indebted to him because they reduced, he reduced their debt. And it's very interesting. As Jesus finishes up the story, he says that the master commended the shrewd business manager. He commended him. It's kind of unusual. He was doing illegal things, and, then, and he was taking advantage of his master in a sense. His master would pay for this. But his master said, that was shrewd. You, did, you, you kind of did something right. Now, why is that? It's not because Jesus wants us to be cheating people. Okay? This is probably one of the harder passages to understand because at first glance it seems like Jesus is saying, go and cheat people. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. He's saying at least this man had enough sense to look ahead. He knew that he was going to be out of work, and so he went and he made some friends. He reduced people's debts in order that when he had nothing, at least he could go to these people who he'd helped out along the way, and they would most likely take him in. So Jesus said he was smart enough to at least look ahead. He wasn't saying go and cheat people, but he's saying it is shrewd to look ahead, to think about what's going to happen after these days are, are over. That's very important. And then you get this verse, Luke 16.9. After he shares the story, he says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Basically, use your money to make friends that you'll meet in heaven, is what he's saying. Use your money to introduce people to Jesus Christ. We all need money for all sorts of things. You know, we need money for you know, a place to live, clothes, food, gas, everything. You know, we need money. However, we tend to look at our money as a primary vehicle to just get what we want out of life. To just get our own needs met. And what Jesus is saying here is that that's too short-sighted. It's, that's not enough to just use our money for ourselves. But there comes a day when all of us will step off the face of this planet and step into eternity. And Jesus is saying, this man was thinking towards, he was thinking towards the future. And we need to be thinking about making a real investment in the people that will spend eternity in heaven. Introducing people to Jesus Christ. Making friends with people who we can spend eternity with. That's really important. So as a church... Just here's some thoughts on, this is some comments on why we do some things. We do outreach events to make it easier to invite friends. We spend money on them. We do, we value providing opportunities for all of us to be able to invite our friends to come and get to know God. Matthew spent his own money. He didn't say, hey, there's an admission fee at the door, but you can come to my banquet. He provided so that his friends could come to his banquet. And so, here at our church, what we try to do is we try to put events and outreaches and connecting events as a high priority in, in the way we steward the resources that God has given to us so that we can introduce more people to God. This is a high priority for us. And you know, there's all sorts of ideas about church. I hear different ones. And one idea is that church is for Christians. Church is for Christians. Christians should just get together all the time. And everyone else should just stay out. And Christians ought to grow and be deeper and deeper and deeper. But it's interesting, if you read in the Bible, if you read in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it assumes that in the worship service, there is non-Christians present. There are people who are still in the process of thinking through what it means. You know, not ready to yield their lives to Jesus Christ. There's this 
Paul makes it very clear that we need to use sensitivity to people who are still in the process. And so, at the same time, though, church services are also a time for those who have decided to follow Christ to come together, to, go, to be challenged, to get, to get fed, and to grow deeper. But, as we get together, as the people of God, as we get together, we need to have a heart for other people as well. And it might be that your friends are just not at the point where they want to come to a church setting. That's really okay. You know, that's why we have different outreach events, so that they can come and check things out and get to know people on, in a neutral setting. That's kind of what Matthew did. There's some things that he, some, you know, some, something that he did was this event was interesting to them. So we want to do events that are interesting to people. He didn't say, hey, come to my house and hear Jesus lecture. What he said was, I'm having a big banquet. A friend of mine's coming. You need to be there. I can tell you it was probably the food that brought people, not the fact that Jesus was going to be there. I mean, when people say, hey, there's food at my house, usually if I can, I'm going to be there, you know. It was an interesting thing to them. It, it had high value to them. Also, it was in an environment where, where they are well-received. This was an environment where they felt comfortable. They would be well-received. If Matthew had said, you know what, I've become a follower of Christ, and I've met some new guys, and they're called the Pharisees, and we're going to have a party at their house tonight. Come on over. Matthew's friends would not have shown up because the Pharisees would have said, why are they here? So he thinks through how to, how to actually invite his guests. He takes the time to think through what would make sense to them. And you know, Jesus, Jesus was there. He was having a good time to the point that people said, how could Jesus eat with these people? You know, Jesus was actually enjoying these people who were nothing like him. And that's, that's the way it... That's what you read in the, in the scriptures, that people nothing like Jesus, people nothing like him, actually liked him. They really enjoyed spending time with Jesus. You know, even though these were shrewd people, Jesus did not slam them for their lifestyle at that point. He just simply connected with them on their own turf. He got to know them because he loved them. And he wanted them to connect with him. And so if you're in, trying to introduce people to God, and you're trying to figure out, how, how do I share this? This, this has really changed my life, and I'd like to share this with others around me. One of the things that I think is important is, it, is to introduce your friends to others who know Christ and take Him seriously. And allow them to see, allow them to see what this looks like in relationships. And as we share our lives with people, God can begin to shine His light into others' lives. Just like at a certain point, all of us have had that happen to us. You know, we've been exposed to something different, and we've connected with God. And so, the last thing is, our events give OCC people an opportunity to represent Jesus well. This is one of the hopes is that at, at our events is that all of us would be able to represent God in, in a way that makes sense. You may, again, you may be the only Bible that people will ever read. Our lives can provide a real picture of what it means to follow Christ. We did a sports camp last summer. It was just a great opportunity to love and serve our community. We taught, we taught kids different sports, and 80% of the people that came to our sports camp were not from our church. And that was so exciting just to, just to be able to love people and to represent Jesus Christ. We're planning a, a spring picnic two weeks after Easter, and we're going to have bouncers and sports and barbecue, and we'll do it out here on the front lawn, and I think we're going to have the service outside for that day. But again, it's just an opportunity for us to represent Christ and just to enjoy a party together and have a good time to be able to invite some guests to it. We don't just do events for our attenders and our members only. Not because we're like, I'm sitting in my office thinking, 
how can we make people's lives busier? Hmm. Let's plan some events. Because it's not like you're busy enough. But we do events so that we can invite guests, so that people can come and connect with Jesus Christ and get to know Him. Here's an old saying. You can take it with you, but you... I'm sorry, you can't take it with you, but you can put it into people going there. That's, that's this idea of what Matthew did. He was using his resources to bring friends to God. People are going to heaven. Not everybody decided to follow Jesus that Matthew got in contact with, but he was able to introduce his friends to Jesus Christ. And part of why the Lord gives you money is so that you can invest it so that people can come to know Him and begin to develop in Him. As a... Ten years ago, I'm going to be celebrating our 10-year anniversary being married. And I remember 10 years ago, one of the things that we did, along with taking our vows, my wife and I publicly, we just dedicated our marriage to trying to introduce people to God. And it was something that we did. It was very special to us just to say, you know what? We want our life to be not just about building our own little kingdom, but about building God's kingdom, to putting people first and to, to sharing His love with others. And it's just been a real joy but God really just, this is what's on his heart, is other people. He wants us to wrap our hearts around this. The last thing in Matthew's story is that you see in the end of the story that Jesus has a heart for outsiders. Jesus has a heart for outsiders. Look at Luke 5, 30 and 32. It says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belong to, the, to their sect complained to his disciples, why, why, does your, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus is saying, you know, if you're walking with the Lord, great. But the world is full of people who aren't. He says, you know, this group of people that I'm eating with, the people that are in here, they need help. And he's saying, and that's why I'm here. And and the truth is, that's why we exist. That's why we're here. If you've come to know Jesus Christ, that is why you're here. You know, we want to grow in the Lord. We want to grow deeper in our faith. We want to come to walk with Him deeper and more intimately. But if you know Him, then His mission is now your mission. His mission was to those who needed Him. Jesus' mission was to reach those who needed Him. Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Not those who were already found. Jesus is on a mission. He was on a mission to reach those who were lost. And so that's what our, our, our role is in life, is to join Him in that mission. Here's a warning. The last thing is a warning. Don't get preoccupied with yourself. All of us have our own sets of struggles. Every single one of us has things that we face that are hard every day, that hold us back. There's problems. But don't get caught in you. Don't get caught in just your stuff, in your struggles. We have to lift our heads up and look around at the people around us and see the people that God has placed in our lives and that He wants to use us to reach out to. Keep your heart open for other people. If you're following the Lord, that's where Jesus is going to take you. He's going to take you to reach out to other people. I'd like to just end with this. As, we're, as Easter is two weeks away, I'd like to encourage you to pray for people. I'd really encourage you to pray for two to three people. If you would, begin to just ask God, God, would you show me the people you'd like me to invite to Easter? Easter is typically 
the one time of the year that if you invite someone to church, they're most likely to say yes. Easter is just a, it's, it's, it's the high time. And so um, we've given you at least one of these, and so there will be more in the next couple of weeks. If you would, just you know, invite some guests, begin to pray for them, and to um, love, show love to, to, to the folks that are around you, and ask God you know, if he would give you an opportunity to even, maybe even throw a party like Matthew did. If you have your own resources, I think one of the neat things is Matthew used his resources. And as a church, we try to throw outreach events and parties and different things as a group. But if you have your own resources, throw your own party. and Invite some people from OCC to come and to be part of that and to meet some of the people that you're trying to introduce to God. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer.